Uh, we're going to conclude our series, uh, Scary Faith, uh, today. We've been talking about scary faith because faith is scary. Every time you step out of your comfort zone and you're trusting in something you cannot see, it is frightening. And uh, so we're talking about scary faith. Two weeks ago, we talked about a phrase in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. The Hebrew children are thrown into a fiery furnace, and they, they tell the king before they're thrown in, we know that God has the power to save us. And then he says this, but even if he doesn't, that just wasn't encouraging to me at all, because that means there's an option he doesn't, right? But they were so convinced of the who that they were not concerned with the what. See, that, that is a place of scary faith. When you get to a place of commitment where you're saying, God, I trust you so much that I'm after you and who you are, and I'm going to trust what you do is your best and, and it's good, I'm going to trust you with it. Last week, we talked about another phrase that was alarming because we talked about 1 Samuel chapter 14. Jonathan runs into a battle by himself with his armor bearer, just them two against a huge enemy. And he says this. He says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf, which means he, he didn't have a word. He had a perhaps. Perhaps means maybe. And so we talked about scary faith makes a move on Maybe. Scary faith sees sees a cause that's not right with the heart of God and says, I'm going to inject myself in this cause and perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. Today, I want to give us our last phrase and we're going to find it in Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. It says, they, the spies, this is when Moses is approaching the promised land. God tells Moses to send 12 spies into the promised land to find out and to see how good it is. I don't know if you know this or not, but God has a good plan for you. God's got a promised land for you, and it's good. God's got a good marriage for you, a good future for you, good kids for you, good jobs for you. Amen. Amen. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But, and this is, this is the problem, because the enemy always has a big but right in the middle of God's promises. Take it however you want it. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Parasites. The, that's a cheesy church joke. Uh, that live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, and this is our phrase, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. I want to be friends with Caleb. That's the type of friend I want to have. We can certainly do it. That's the kind of, sta kind of staff members I want to have. Hint, 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 hint. We can certainly do it. Yes, we can. Full of faith. We can do it. This is what Caleb says. In the face of opposition, he says we can do it. And then the enemy sticks his... Anyways, there's a, there's a word. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. I just like, I'm thinking of this in a whiny voice. Uh, don't think of this, just think of it in like somebody, just like your kid, like whining when he's on your last nerve. Like that's this voice. But we can't. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. 
Negativity always spreads faster than positivity. Doubt always spreads faster than faith. It says, they, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Scary faith. Caleb had this confidence. I mean, crazy confidence that in the midst of a battle that his buddies were sure that they would lose, he had this confident courage to be able to say, we can certainly do this. I mean, that's crazy courage. I I found this to be true about courage, is that people that are on a winning streak have courage. Winning streaks breed courage. Losing streaks breed uncertainty. I I don't know if you're as unspiritual as I was last night, but I was watching some of the UFC fights. Yeah, it's up, all of them. That's what I meant by that. and, And as I was watching them, you would see people come into the ring so full of confidence and if they got beat, it was interesting how, they're, how, they're, how, how they look differently. All of a sudden, they came in with a strut, came in, talking trash, and they came out with their head hung low, ashamed, hurt, bruised. Confidence usually is a byproduct of our circumstances. And that's my concern with Christianity is for many of us, we only have confidence when God does what we want him to do. If God's doing what we want him to do, we have confidence. We have faith. Man, we got faith. Why? Because God's doing something for you. But do you have the same confidence when he's not? Because it's been my experience as I've served the Lord that there have been a lot of times that God's not working or not moving the way that I want him to work or move. And my confidence now wanes in light of the circumstances that I find myself in. For some reason, Caleb had a faith that still was strong in the midst of a losing streak. They were losing. The circumstances did not look good. And for some reason, Caleb still has this courage that says, hey, 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 everybody, shut up. What are you talking about? We can certainly do this. And I just, doesn't that sound good? Sounds good just to say it. We, that's the perspective you should have in 2020. You can certainly do this. That's what you should say to your, your job. That's what you should be saying to your family. That's what you should be saying to your church. That's what you should be saying to yourself. We can certainly do this. And I want to look at this because why, why does Caleb have this, this confidence And how do we have this same type of confidence no matter if we're winning seemingly or losing seemingly? And the Bible says, if you read earlier in our text, we didn't read this part, but it says that that God spoke to the spies, to Moses, to send the spies into the promised land, and he told them to do one thing. He told them to explore it. Now, when he told them to explore it, he wanted them to taste of it. He wanted them to see how good it was. I think this is how God works in our life a lot of times. He shows us a glimpse of the future. You ever had some vision for your life? It was like, yeah, I want that, or I'm going after that. And it's exciting. But when your today doesn't match your dream for tomorrow, it leads to uncertainty. So here are these people that now go into the promised land. They begin to look around. They see giants. They see fortified cities. They see opposition. And all of a sudden, 10 of the spies are filled with fear. 
and Joshua and Caleb are full of boldness. Now, explore the word, it means this. Travel in or through a place or land in order to learn about or familiarize oneself with it. So this is what God told him to do. Go familiarize yourself with the good thing I have for you. That's it. Just go. And he says, this is the land I'm giving you. Now, I got a problem with the way that God gives gifts. Okay? I just, like, I have a fundamental theological problem with the way that God gives gifts. If I gave you a gift, I'd like to say I'm just honorable enough. I'm going to give you a gift and it's yours. All right? This is how God gives gifts. God says, I'm going to give you the victory. And then he does this. He winks at you. And you're like, what's, what's, what's with the wink, God? Like, what's with the wink? He goes, you're still going to have to fight. That doesn't sound like a gift. That sounds like something I got to do. Like, I can work a job and get a paycheck. That's, you, you don't give someone their paycheck. They earn the paycheck. All right? You give someone a donation. If you get a paycheck, it's because you worked hours that you get paid for. So God says, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you the promised land. It's yours. And you have to fight about 337 battles before you get it. See, that doesn't seem right to me. But this is the promise that God gives them. If they would fight the battles, he would bring the victory. So the victory is guaranteed, but the participation in the battle is up to them. So some, Joshua and Caleb, went to explore the land, but there's another word, and this is where the ten spies were filled with fear because instead of exploring, they evaluated. Evaluate means this, to form an idea of the amount, number, or value of, to assess. So instead of exploring the good thing God had for them, they evaluated if they were able to get the good thing God had for them. To explore Caleb and, and, and Joshua looked at all the good things of the land. To evaluate, the, the ten spies looked at all that was opposing them in the land. Two words with vastly different meanings. And God said, I never sent you to go evaluate if I could win or if I couldn't. I already said that I have the victory. I told you to go and explore. I told you to go look and, and see the good thing that I have for you. You know, when you're looking at the will of God for your life, it is not to evaluate if God can bring it to pass. When you're looking at the will of God for your life, it is to explore the good thing God has for you, to foster faith and belief in you for today so you can apprehend it in your tomorrow. That's, that's what faith does. In, in 1954, there's a man by the name of Roger Bannister. And he was the first person to ever run a sub-four-minute mile. And in history, uh, that no one had ever been able to crack the four-minute mile. But in 1954, he ran the mile in three minutes and 59 seconds. And shortly thereafter, a lot of studies say in the next 18 months, there was over 13 people that ran a sub-four-minute mile. Now, what does this say, say about us is that as, as soon as people saw that they could, they did. All these years, nobody could do it. But as soon as one person did it, now someone had in their idea, in their mind, 
It can be done. And now since over 1,400 athletes have cracked the four-minute mile. Because once someone did it, it it was a possibility for others to do it. I'm going to tell you how your faith works. When you begin to have scary faith and begin to do things that no one has done, it begins to pave a way and open a door for others to have the same kind of faith and do the same kind of things that you did. What Caleb did, the boldness and the courage that he had when he said, Certainly, we can do it. He was breaking a boundary. He was breaking a ceiling and making a way for them to be able to go through. I believe what God's called Church 1132 to do is not to follow other people's faith. I believe God's called our church, which is me and you, to begin to stand on the front lines of the battlefield of faith and to break through and to make room for everyone else to be able to do the same thing that God has called us to do. That, that's scary faith, a faith that doesn't follow, a faith that leads, a faith that leads. Let me give you a couple things about scary faith today. Scary faith walks differently. See, people with scary faith, there's just something different about them. Scary faith makes someone walk differently. You know what most Christians, they walk with their, their, their head hung low, woe is me, sometimes not even, not even proud of the gospel that they champion. Are you a Christian? Maybe, sometimes. Ashamed of the God they profess, trying to make excuses and defenses. I'm telling you, that should not be. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. That should breed some type of confidence and some type of courage. And I should be able to have my head held high because of what's in me. Because of what's It it, it walks differently. Scary faith doesn't shy away from difficulty or trouble. It makes moves confidently. We we learned this last week that you cannot separate faith and action. That faith is synonymous with action. it's It's an action word. There's movement involved. Last night... There was we we stayed up way too light way too late to watch a 13-second fight with Conor McGregor. And if you know anything about Conor McGregor, he is famous for his walk. Called the billionaire walk. And he's got his arms swinging, he's Irish, and he's got he's got his arms going, and, and you know it, it's all over. There's memes all over the internet right now. If you have not seen them, you probably are fasting social media. They're out there, and, and he has it breathes confidence. I mean, he's just like, ah, you do not want to mess with that dude. He is, it's just calm. You know what? I think scary faith puts a level of confidence in your walk that says, yeah, I'm going through a difficult problem, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Yeah, I'm facing some opposition, but I know my God is watching over, and he's the author, and he's the finisher, and he will finish what he began in me. I know I'm going through something. I'm going through some fire, but he promised me that I wouldn't be burnt. It's confidence. Confidence, scary faith walks into what others run out of. It, ru- it walks into. That's why as a church, we have committed to stay in a place of scary faith. We're not trying to get comfortable, kick our feet up, and just have a good party. 
We're not having a, trying to have a fun little group and just be here together and sing songs and listen to cute TED Talks. We are trying to take a position of scary, risky faith. We are attempting to flip a city and a metroplex upside down. We are trying to release the supernatural and the miraculous in our schools and in our high schools and in our colleges to see a move of God like we have never seen before. That's a really good time to say amen I'll help you just in case you miss it I'll give you your cue that's it right there scary faith it, it walks differently scary faith doesn't just walk differently it talks differently you can just tell people with a great amount of faith they talk differently scary faith talks about challenges differently than most people do it just talks about it. And this is the truth. You live in the world that you have created with your own words. You, you live in a world that's created by your own words. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. That our words are power. What we say and how we say them. I know this is true just in day-to-day -day life because on this fast, I've been trying to do a really good job. And the Bible says not to, like, complain about fasting, but I complained a little bit over the last 14 days. And when I was complaining, usually the restaurant named Fogo de Chao was in the complaint. I, it just, it was, I'm confessing it to you, it was. It, it, and so I'm fasting, I was in prayer, I was actually studying for this message earlier in the week, and I'm on my computer, and on the sidebar of my internet browser comes an ad for Fogo de Chao. And I'm like, wait, get behind me, Satan. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to fast right now. Why did they show me that? And then I was on Instagram later that day, and all of a sudden, on my Instagram feed, showed an ad for Fogo de Chao. And I'm like, wait, they're listening. <laughs> it's true. Alexa is a spy. It comes up just naturally. And I'm like, I am trying to fast. I do not need to see the pictures of the house special one more time. That bottom sirloin should not be seen on my, on my feet again. I mean, it's just too good. It's tempting me. But the truth of the matter is I'm living in a world that I've created with my words. I don't know if there's a better way to illustrate it. Is that I'm saying something and then I'm mad at the temptation that I'm experiencing as a result of what I've said. Most of us, we don't understand that scary faith says, I'm not going to talk about all the ways God failed me. I'm not going to talk about all of the opposition and all of the giants and all of the problems. I'm going to talk about the possibilities of what God can do and what God wants to do and what God will do. I'm going to live in that reality. Now, let me help you. Scary faith doesn't deny the problem. It declares the possibility because Hyperspiritual movements will tell you, like, if you say you're sick, that's why you're sick. So, like, you can have strep throat, snot coming out your face. You're like, I'm not sick. I'm not. Yeah, you are. You're getting your germs all over. Go home. Take a sick day. Please, like, save us. But it doesn't deny the fact that God can heal. So I'm not denying the problem. I am declaring the possibility. This is my current condition, but it won't stay like this. This is how I feel right now, but I won't stay like this. I, I, I might be broke right now, but I'm not staying broke. I might be sick right now, but I ain't staying sick. Because greater is he, right? We already said it. It is in me than he. Scary faith talks differently. 
If negativity spreads, we said this already, faster than positivity. Doubt spreads faster than faith. People say, we got to have people around you to keep you balanced. The world balances you out of balance. I need people that believe the word of God. I need friends that when I am staggering in my faith will come up and encourage me and build me up and talk some scary sense and some scary faith into my life. Scary faith. Scary faith looks, the third one, it looks differently. It it walks differently. It talks differently. But it also looks different. I want to show you this because I think this is interesting. In, in verse 33, we read this. It says, we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. They were giants. They come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers. What does it say? Whose eyes? Whose? Theirs? Their eyes. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Which means the enemy didn't seem like that. They saw themselves that way. They, we saw ourselves as unable to have victory. We saw ourselves as unable to overcome. They said, man, we can't do this. They were not exploring. They were evaluating. And they evaluated that they were smaller than the giants. So, man, we can't do this. I'm going to tell you this. Whenever you put your problem against your strength, last night all the fights Conor McGregor versus Cowboy, right? Like, it's whatever. If you pit yourself against your problem, you will lose. You just had to recognize that we need God. We need supernatural intervention. We need help in this world. So if you continue to pit yourself against your problem, you'll continue to see yourself as a grasshopper. As unable and insufficient. But we don't put ourselves against our problem. We put our God against our problem. It's, he, he comes into the ring for us. The Bible says the victory belongs to God. It's his battle and it's his victory. So now it's God against my problem. Oh, this looks all right. But the Israelites, these ten spies, they looked at it. You can put it back up there. It says that we looked like this in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. I'm going to help you in like every area of your life right now. You oftentimes think that people see you the same way you see yourself. So I'm, I'm going to be real careful. I don't want to like stomp on your toes too hard. But if you think everybody is judging you, could be because you're just judging yourself. Because people are talking about you way less than you think that they are. But the reason you think you're a failure and you think everybody else thinks you're a failure is because of your own belief that you are a failure. The reason that you think everybody else thinks you're insecure is because you think you're insecure. The reason you think that everybody, nobody wants you at the party is because you think that nobody wants you at the party. It's how you see yourself. See, scary faith has a look to it. It's understanding that my problem is not pitted against me. My problem is pitted against God. So I don't have to compare my strength to the giant's strength. All I got to do is know his strength. I got to know his word. I got to know his promise. Jensen Franklin says this, your life will always move in the direction of the dominant picture you allow to reside in your mind. Your life will automatically move towards the most dominant picture you have in your mind. What do you visualize for yourself? 
Because for most of us, we visualize negativity. We visualize ourselves failing. We visualize the fears that are in our mind. And, we, and the things that you visualize, you begin to move towards. If you see yourself as less than in your own eyes, you will eventually be less than. But if you can see yourself the way God sees you, and if you can see God's power the way that it is, because God's power does not work in your best effort, the Bible says God's strength is drawn to your weakness. That in my weakness, then God is made strong. Scary faith looks at God's ability instead of our own weakness. Scary faith looks at God's ability instead of our own weakness. Psalm 20 verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Do you know how, how you have confidence in the middle of bad times and good times? You don't trust in you. You trust in the Lord. That's how you can have confidence on the mountain and confidence in the valley. That's why you can have confidence with a job and without a job. That's how you can have confidence with a wife and without a wife. That's how you can have confidence with popularity and without popularity. Is because I don't trust in me. I trust in him. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 7 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. That's the secret, is that my confidence is not in Dustin. My confidence is in him. The city's too big. The giants are too big. The butts are too big. I can't win when they're against me. But against my God? Against him? My problem doesn't have a chance. My fears don't have a chance. These mountains don't have a chance. This city doesn't have a chance. I'm telling you, in 2020, God wants to fill you with a scary faith, a faith that walks different, talks different, and looks different at every problem that shows up in your life. Mark chapter 10, there's a story. And uh, last week we talked about a blind man that Jesus healed. Mark chapter 10, it's another blind man. I love it because the blind Bartimaeus, he's sitting at the gate called Beautiful. And the Bible says that he heard, he heard that Jesus was coming by. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He heard that there was an answer coming. He heard that there was a solution coming. And the Bible says he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me cries out to him. And the Bible says the crowd, which is the religious leaders, the teachers, the pastors, they told him, you got to be quiet. He said, shut up. Shh. Stop. Don't even bother him. It was real similar to what happened in the Old Testament when the ten spies started to shush Caleb and said, be quiet. It's too bad. The battle's too big. This is too much. But the Bible says Bartimaeus wouldn't be quiet. It says he even shouted all the louder, louder, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that as he cried that out, Jesus heard him, called to him. He says that he healed him. He went away seen. But the power of this is the stubbornness of scary faith. See, scary faith has a sound. It has a sound. Desperation always has a sound. People get desperate enough, you always hear something from them. There is a sound to scary faith. I was thinking about just the way we look at our problems. And I thought about this. You see a problem, faith sees a promise. You see opposition, faith sees an opportunity. You see trouble, faith sees triumph. You see pain, 
faith sees a possibility. You see setbacks, faith sees comebacks. You see giants, faith sees God. You see a war, faith sees a way. Come on, if you're grateful for that, why don't you just thank God just for a second. Faith sees a way. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.